Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called, Hey, Who's in Charge Anyway? And we'll be looking at a biblical model for leadership. Let's think about the pattern of God's leadership and how can we follow his example as we lead others. The title of our message today is Follow the Leader, Follow the Leader. There's perhaps no better known passage of Scripture besides John 3.16 than uh, Psalm 23. And we make sure everybody knows it real well because we pretty much say it at every funeral. Uh, I still remember one time being in a funeral in Argentina and having to, uh, on the spur of the moment, quote this whole thing in Spanish. But you just know it. You just, uh, the, uh, let's take a look at that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. How would you not just love something like that? Today we want to talk about the Lordship of Christ, the leadership of God, uh, children play games like Simon says, you know, and, and only when Simon says it are you supposed to do it. And if they don't say Simon says, then they get you if you did it. They play the Pied Piper. They play King of the Mountain. All of these are authority games. But what does the Bible say about leadership? I've been involved for close to 50 years with a group called the Navigators, and one of the things I've really appreciated about the Navigators is that they get really practical about important things, about walking with God, praying, how do you study your Bible, how do you share your faith. But one of the things that they didn't cover a whole lot on was, was leadership. Now, of course, they did the part on leadership in terms of character, and, and of course, that's terribly important. But sooner or later, a, lead, a leader needs to not only be something, they need to do something. So the question is, it's Monday. I'm, I'm supposed to lead my family. I'm supposed to lead at work. I'm supposed to lead at church. It's Monday. What do I do? So we want to kind of begin to look at this. Today, we're only going to look at how God leads us. Now, one of the things, if God does exist, then that immediately tells us something very important about the whole universe, and that is the universe has a leader, and it's not you. I think a lot of people, they think, okay, well, God's the captain of the ship, but they have this a little bit more of a mentality of a cruise ship. So on a cruise ship, you're mostly thinking about the food, the shuffleboard, the pool, but if there's something you don't like, we're going to let the captain know we are not happy. It's kind of a customer mentality. So, yeah, there's a captain, but he's there for me. And uh, he's supposed to do his job, and if he doesn't, I'm going to let him know I'm not happy. I remember when my nephew was four, he came down one day and announced. He said, I'm not happy, and I'm never going to be happy again. <laughs> and that's what customers and clients, their focus is. You've been taught to think that way. What would make me happy? So what does the Bible say about God, the way God leads us? 
And I, I want to share with you the most important thing I've learned in the last 50 years about leadership. So our first point is the picture of God's leadership. The second will be the pattern of God's leadership. And the third will be the products of God's leadership. But today, it's all about God's leadership. Maybe at another time we could talk about, well, what are the implications for me in terms of how I lead others and how I lead myself? But today we just want to focus on what does God's leadership look like? Now, you know, one of the main ways that in communication in general and in the Bible in particular, that unclear things are made clear is through metaphors. Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the bread of life that came down out of heaven. It, he didn't at that point change into a loaf of bread. It's a metaphor. So you think, well, what would be the metaphor for leadership? In most groups of Christianity, Christian, uh, Christians around the world, if you ask that question, the picture from John 13 comes to mind of Jesus washing people's feet, and they would say, the servant metaphor. And I would like to push back on that today. I don't think that's the primary metaphor in the Bible for leadership. Why? Because it's not just for leaders. The servant motive and character qualities are true for every believer in every situation. It's not just for leaders. And also the servant metaphor does not, it, it informs the character and the motives of a leader, but it does not primarily inform the activities of a leader. If you think that the main metaphor for the Bible of what a leader should do is the servant metaphor, you may spend a lot of time cleaning toilets and doing whatever other dirty jobs nobody else wanted to do because you're the, you're the leader, so you're the servant, so you need to be doing that. So they say, well, where is, where is Pastor Josh? Well, the, the bride's room needed vacuuming. And so he's, he's up there taking care of that because he's the leader and the servant. And so he, anything nobody else wants to do, we just give it to him. That's why that's not the most helpful metaphor in the Bible for what a leader does. And, of course, we read in, when we read our scripture today, Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd. That is the primary metaphor in the Bible for what a servant does. Now, I want to point out something that I found quite interesting because I think most of my life I've had this idea, wow, David, you really came up with something tremendous here. The Lord is my shepherd. And, and you think, yep, he grew up being a shepherd. He was that little guy and had his sling and all of that. And, and one day he's sitting there just sort of meditating because you have a lot of time to meditate when you're a shepherd because most of the time nothing's going on. It's these long moments of boredom and then a few moments of terror when the wolf comes. But he's sitting there thinking, you know, he says, you know, kind of like my relationship with God is sort of like, like he's my shepherd. Like I'm, like I'm a sheep, he's my shepherd. I remember growing up when my parents gave me a book on the most important archaeological discovery in the history of the world. It was in 1922 when Stuart Carter found the tomb of King Tutankhamen, who we call King Tut. He was funded by Lord Carnarvon, who lives in the house that's in Downton Abbey, for you trivia fans. And he found this intact 
tomb. Uh, and uh, the thing that everybody usually remembers, if they remember anything from that tomb, is the golden sarcophagus of King Tut. And you're thinking, where in the world is Henry going with this? But anyway, over King Tut's chest, there are two items that symbolize his leadership. One is a shepherd's crook, and the other is a flail, meaning a whip. The shepherd's crook, a symbol of his authority to lead the way and to tell people what they need to do, and the flail in case they weren't inclined to do it. So that's the motivator if all else fails. King Tut lived 300 years before David. So my discovery, aha, in the last couple of years looking at this, is that actually the shepherd metaphor was used in Persia, in Greece, in Rome, in Babylon, in Egypt. Everybody thought in terms of the shepherd as a picture of good leadership. So when David is saying it, his emphasis isn't on, hey, I've got this new thought. The Lord is my shepherd. But rather, it's more of a pledge of allegiance. He says, well, everybody's got a shepherd. But you know who my shepherd is? It's the Lord. It's Jehovah. It's, it's that name. The Lord is my shepherd. So the shepherd metaphor, God is definitely in charge. He is not here just to be your service provider. We're not customers and clients. So let's think about if, if this is the picture of God's leadership, that shepherd metaphor. Let's think about what's the pattern. You know, when you actually get down to it, what does that involve, him being the shepherd? Because, frankly, when most people talk about shepherding and think about shepherding, the primary thing they're thinking about is God looks out for me and gives me what I want and what I need. They think in terms of care. But let's think about this. Let's think about this. If you've got your pew Bibles, isn't that great? A pew Bible, something actually in front of you there. And at home, uh, you may have your Bible or you've got your phone you could look it up on or something else. But let's go back to Psalm 23. Of course, you could almost quote it. Many of you can quote it. But there are th there's a pattern here in the way God leads that consists of three things. And this isn't just in Psalm 23. I'm going to illustrate it from Psalm 23. But this is all the way through the Scriptures, that if you look at, at all the, like, 60 verbs that are associated with leading like a shepherd... They cluster in these three groups, lead, develop, and care. Lead, develop, and care. In fact, why don't you say it with me right now? Ready? One, two, three. Lead, develop, and care. So let's look, at, look for this in Psalm 23. How are ways that he leads us? He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me. All that has to do with guiding, directing, giving direction, etc. What do we see here that we could view as developmental? Now, normally you think a shepherd isn't tremendously developmental with sheep. I mean, all the sermons I've ever heard, what do I know? But they always say sheep are dumb. Uh, so that means development is hard. But even in Psalm 23, we see a developmental aspect of what the, the shepherd does with, with David. He says, he guides me in paths of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, he, uh, there he's kind of bled over from the sheep shepherd metaphor to the 
the Lord and the believer reality. He guides me in paths of righteousness. In other words, he shows me, he gets me to walk in the right path. Well, that's developmental. He also says, your rod and your staff comfort me. And that talks also about discipline when it's necessary. When the word isn't enough, I wouldn't say, go so far as to say it's the flail, but there are times that God can make us quite uncomfortable when we've chosen to disobey him. So there's, we see development. And we also see, of course, care, which he's famous for. That's sort of God's brand. You know, I mean, everybody loves how God is caring. Uh, it makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I fear no evil, for you're with me. So there's that protection. So lead, develop, and care. So the lead part, God gives us guidance. He shows us wh what we should do, what we shouldn't do, where he wants us to go. God is also incredibly developmental. Now, I've actually kind of wondered about this. You know, you don't, most people don't get a do-it-yourself automobile. Maybe some things you might get, uh, like IKEA, you know. What if IKEA starts selling cars? And you've got to go get each nut and bolt, and you've got this huge explanation. And you're sitting there in your living room. They gave you this nice IKEA car for Christmas. And you think, I don't think we're ever going to get this thing put together. Uh, no, when you go to the lot, the car is all put together. Nobody goes getting um, a grow-your-own car. Uh, it's, it's our, you, you just maintain the car, right? Now you think, now God, couldn't God have made us where we didn't have to be developed? We're just sort of the finished product. Then you just sort of have to take care of it. Change the oil, wash it occasionally, you know. But with humanity, God is all about growth. I mean, even before sin, it's not just related to sin. When he created Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Well, God, if you wanted a lot of us, why don't you just make a lot of us? Couldn't he have done that? Well, he could have. But God is, for some reason, all about growth. He's developmental. He's the potter that's always at work on us. So he leads, he develops, and then he also cares. He watches over us. He provides for us. He protects us. Now, when you think about these three things, lead, develop, and care, we always say it that way, lead, develop, and care. Why? Well, lead, if you're the leader, that's kind of like you at least got to do that. Uh, we put develop in second because that's sort of the unexpected one, like leaders are supposed to do that too, and you don't want to leave that out. And care, of course, is also very important. But the fact is, a leader who leads this way brings the type of leadership that's most needed right now. So if what's most needed is the lead part, you start with that, etc. And I thought, I was thinking this past week, what does God start with? Does he start with lead or develop or care? Well, look at, look at Genesis. Uh, he starts with care. Because before he can have a man and a woman living there, he has to have a there for them to live. So he creates the whole world. He plants the garden. He gets everything set. That's all care. That's not developed. That's not lead. Hadn't told anybody what to do. He just gets everything ready. It's like when you're going to have a baby. You start off with care. Which room is the baby going to sleep in? 
Are we going to have a bassinet or a crib, etc.? And you get all ready. You do all the care stuff waiting to receive this baby. The baby's born, and you don't say, okay, now let's give them the list of do's and don'ts. They say, no, they can't even understand us yet. We're, we're kind of uh, stuck on care for a while here. We'll eventually get to the develop and lead, but right now it's just care. God starts with care. How about in the New Testament? Does God start with lead, developer, care? He starts with care. It's the gospel. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. You can't lead a corpse. You have to resurrect them first. So God starts with care in the gospel. Are you following me on this? Is this making sense? Now let's look at the implications of that. So we've looked at the picture, the shepherd, the shepherd metaphor, the Lord is my shepherd. We've looked at the pattern, lead, develop, and care. Let's say that again. Ready? One, two, three. Lead, develop, care. Now let's look at the products of God's leadership. What are the implications? What's the so what? It's not just getting some information about God and say, okay, uh-huh, I got it. He leads, develops, and cares. Good. Is that it? Um, it's time for lunch. It says, no, no, there are always implications. If God is this way, then that implies certain things related to us. So let's look. If we, if we want to follow that kind of leader, what are the issues that come up? So we're going to go through it with lead, develop, and care, but now thinking in terms of us being the followers. So we know what God does. He leads, he develops, he cares. Good. What does the lead part imply? That's when we talk about lordship, the lordship of Christ. That's the aspect of surrender. You keep it simple. He's in charge. He's the leader. In, in Philippians, when it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you could just put the word in leader there. I mean, Lord is sort of like holy leader. But, but somehow it changes in our mind. We says, Jesus Christ is the leader. He's the captain of the ship. He's the general of the army. He's the employer. Keeping it simple, are you willing to do his will no matter what. The single biggest issue in the life of a believer is if you're really ready to follow God's lead. So what should our response be? One, seek to know his will, and two, be willing to do it. In fact, let me just say something. If this book isn't very important to you, it's because you're not following his lead. If you really want to do his will, then you'll be quite interested in trying to understand what it is. Second, what are the implications of develop? Develop almost always is uncomfortable because it's hard things that help us grow. And we can kind of get lazy and stuck and growth and development is work. But the fact is if you're not growing, you're rotting. So there are times when God has answered your prayer, you've, you've prayed and sung, Lord, make me like you, speak, O oh Lord, let me hear your voice. So he says, well, I want you to do this. He says, well, I don't want to do that. I, do, I was just singing, you know. I said, well, I just answered your prayer. 
The outcome of God's attempt to develop us depends on our response. It's not just that he's being developmental. If I don't respond right and say, okay, Lord, this isn't what I would have picked, but you know what's best. I'm trusting you. Use this in my life. Help me to respond well. Help me not to get so upset with you, with people. Be more committed to holiness than to your comfort. Welcome God's painful activity in your life that helps you grow. What are the implications of care? So we looked at lead, develop care, trust that he knows what we need. You know, our issue with care is that he doesn't always do everything we wanted him to do that we thought would have been appropriate, and we can't figure out any reason why he wouldn't do that. Uh, you may have wanted to get married. It didn't work out. You may have wanted to be healthy. You may have gotten a cancer diagnosis. There are these different things. It's like, well, what, what, what's going on here? I thought you were lead develop care, you know? I mean, the, where, where's the care part here? There are two issues on care. One is we're not nearly as grateful as we ought to be for the mountain of gifts we're sitting on of everything he's done. Every breath of air that you were able to even come to church today that you've got on clean clothes, that you are having trouble with eating too much. All of those is blessings from God. So we sort of take that for granted. Well, of course you did all that. You're the captain of the cruise ship. Uh, but how about this here? I got a dirty glass here. What's, what's going on here? Be more grateful for all of God's gifts. And secondly, trust him absolutely with anything he decided to withhold for whatever his reason is. I didn't live as long as I wanted to. My spouse didn't live as long as I wanted them to. I have this issue. I have that issue. I've prayed. God hasn't seemed to respond. I'm trusting him. Job said, even if he slays me, I will trust him. Now, this is what it means to follow the leader. You surrender to his lordship. You happily as happily as you can accept his discipline, his, his teaching, his correction, etc., you're full of gratitude for what he has given you, and you're trusting him for what he has withheld from you. That is how, my friends, we follow the leader. You know, the one who decided not to follow the leader, the most famous one, of course, was the devil. So, we don't want to be like the devil. We want to be good sheep for this great shepherd well, I want to close now. I was, I re-looked at the movie with, uh, with Robin Williams. Now I'm forgetting the name of it, but uh, the one where he's the school teacher. And he's teaching them about poetry and everything. And he says, you can either call me Mr. Keating, or you can call me, if you're more brave, oh, captain, my captain. And it's that poem that Walt Whitman wrote about the death of Lincoln, but I think about God, and I think he, he is our captain. Let me just, well, this one verse of, the, of that poem, that Walt Whitman's poem, uh, actually related to Lincoln, but we're going to think about God as well with it. Oh, captain, my captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near. The bells I hear. The people all exulting. While follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But, oh, heart, 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 oh, the bleeding drops of red. We're on the deck, my captain lies, fallen, cold, and dead. But our captain has risen again. 
and lives forevermore. And what God is looking for with each one of us today is will you truly say from all your, with all your heart, Oh, Captain, my Captain. Don't just think Lord, and that, which is a wonderful word if you fully understand it, but it sort of has evolved over to with such religious overtones that we don't remember. Well, what we're saying when I say he is Lord is I'm saying you are my leader. And now, if I could have gotten a sturdy enough chair and we could have got enough insurance, I was going to get a chair here because in the end of the movie, they stand up on their desks and they say, oh, captain, my captain, uh, to their professor. And I was going to do that here, and I thought they're never going to remember it. But then I thought if I fall off that chair, there'll probably be problems. So just imagine. But today, I want you to decide in your heart, is this really where my heart is going with God? Oh, captain my captain. And so here at the end, we're going to sing this song, this last song, Savior like a shepherd lead us, much we need thy tender care, etc. And we'll stand for that hymn. And nobody's going to be looking at you. I want you to find some way, if you want to say to Christ today, oh, captain, my captain, lead me, develop me, care for me. I want you to find some way to do that. You can either stand there and kind of have your hand beside yourself. You can put your hand over your heart like the Pledge of Allegiance. Do whatever is meaningful to you, but use this hymn as your Pledge of Allegiance today if it's in your heart to say, oh, Captain, my Captain. Heavenly Father, thank you. No one like you. Lead us forward, Lord. We're trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.